So John 12, verse 47. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a, has a judge, my words as a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Amen. Our second reading for today is from Isaiah chapter 53. And uh, if you're using the Church Bible, you'll find it on page 613. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned, every one, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. 
Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the the transgressions. As we started with, unto us the Son is given, indeed the best gift of them all. Sometimes I think it is rather difficult to fully appreciate the true value of the gift that we have been given. It is the equality, is equally difficult sometimes to also express our gratitude for that valuable gift that springs out of the deep love that God has for us. And today's passage is maybe one of the best known passages in the Bible, or should be, and have been preached on often that it sets out the whole story of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if it was written 700 years before the event actually came to be. But let us pray and let us look at what Isaiah has to tell us. Our Lord and Father, indeed guide us, we ask by your Spirit that we will open our hearts and minds to your message that you gave Isaiah so long ago that we may fully understand and appreciate what we have been given and how we need to respond in kind. Lord, guide us, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the opening question that Isaiah places here in Isaiah 53 passage, he says, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It's wondrous how things really don't change in all those years. 2,750 odd years later, here we are in 2023, and the same question we can place on ourselves when we go out into the community and we share that wonderful news with them. And we may never know which one of those people we talk to will ever come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ has been born into poverty by a couple barely married, the one and only Son of God born into obscurity in a back street of Bethlehem in the town of David. It is indeed what we would call uh, probably an unbelievable story if we did not know the truth of it. In verse 2 he says, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man so suffering and familiar with pain, like one whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Just imagine what life would have been like in the day of Jesus and the birth of Jesus. They were under the rule of Herod, an evil demonic ruler with no care for people, no love for them at all. And he had in fact arranged after that for all boys under two years of age to be killed to make sure Jesus would not usurp his throne, which he was afraid of. When you read verses 2 and 3, we get this vivid picture of life set out before the Son of God. And yet, we would find it difficult to blame the people of the day when you have a look at it, what happened. The life of Jesus didn't look like much. 
it certainly in the beginning did not display any meaningful way his true station in life in consideration of he is the creator of the universe. When we then move on to the latter part of his life on earth, things just doesn't get any better. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Isaiah is prophesying a gruesome death to be inflicted on the Son of God. A method of killing and a punishment that really wasn't actually brought into existence until about a hundred years later. Meaning that probably Isaiah had no idea of the cruelty that was to befall the Son of God. Isaiah did know, however, for sure. That is, he knew our need for Jesus to be a sin offering to remove the yoke of sin from our shoulders. That, as I was in no doubt about. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He knew. As you also know, Paul put it another way in his letter in the Roman church. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are all justified freely by his grace. Though the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. And then in chapter 5, Paul continues to write about it, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just something to mull around in our hearts and our minds. Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins before we even came to repentance. I wonder sometimes how willing are we to forgive those that sin against us. But let us move on to seven. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Just try to imagine what it would be like at that time to live for 30 years on earth all along with the full knowledge of what was waiting for him at the end. And yet he never shied away from doing anything, anything the Father had laid on him and asked of him to do. Neither did he put up a defence against the atrocious false accusations made against him by his temple leaders. Yes, they were his temple leaders. Don't forget that. They were there to serve God not to kill him. But sadly they had decided to serve the world rather than to serve their God. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer and though the Lord makes his life a sin offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and we will, the, the, the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. See, in just the one verse in this chapter, the Lord manages to turn what is truly awful into something that will be a great blessing. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Jesus had died, but Jesus would be resurrected. 
After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many who bear their iniquities, our iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great and he'll divide his spoils with strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Again, Isaiah wrote the gospel of Jesus Christ 700 years before Christ was born. So when we then look at what John wrote about the purpose of Jesus all of that makes sense to you and I now. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world but save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them on the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. The God the Father and God the Son is one. We so many with so many passages in the Bible speaking to the birth of Jesus Christ, then why, why are we speaking about his life and death this day? Indeed. I think sometimes we may be better served by not focusing on the little baby in the crib but the fullness of his life to be led for the full understanding and appreciation of the love behind the gift who was born this day in Bethlehem when Messiah wrote for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I think that's what we need to think about at the wholeness of his life. God will surely, when we read the birth of his Son, desire us to ponder our redemption and our salvation. God wants us, when we read of the death of his Son, to focus on our redemption and salvation, provided for us by his atoning sacrifice. He would have wanted us also, when we consider our own sinful lives, to reflect on the enormity of the grace, the mercy and the gift of life that we receive this day. Our Father God would like us to focus on the redemptive plan of salvation put into action since before the creation of the world when he placed your name in his book of life. All of this comes together this day. Let us also not completely lose sight of the impact this had on the life of the people involved around the birth of Jesus Christ at the time. Even before the birth of Jesus, we are told of the reaction of Joseph, the husband of Mary. He had a dream in Matthew 1. It says, when Joseph woke up after the dream, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until he gave birth, she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. God had softened the heart of Joseph and guided him to accept this miracle as a blessing rather than a drawback for his life. And then when we come to the time of the birth, we get an insight into the mind of Mary as reported by Luke. But Mary treasured all, treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Women understand this better than us men. In the midst of giving birth to the Son of God, Mary has to contend with all these strangers arriving to honour her little boy and interrupting her life. Just imagine the turmoil in her mind at that point in her life, as well as the confusion in Joseph's mind as he stands by. I remember clearly the confusion in my mind when we had our daughter, our first child. I was so scared I wouldn't even hold my daughter. I didn't know what to do with her. Let alone having all these other things happening to us around the birth of our children. For them to arrive at the temple then eight days later with the Son of God, presenting him to the priest, being held by Simeon. And he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, in the light for revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of the people of Israel. Mary, a Jewish woman, her little son will be the salvation of the nations. As a Jewish woman, she also knows full well that salvation for be to be completed, a sacrificial sin has to be offered to be made. It was to be her son. Indeed, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So when we read of the birth of Jesus, the reason for the life of Christ, how does it affect the way we walk with him? Have I indeed pondered the burden placed on Jesus from the very first day of his life on earth? Do we ever ponder that? That he had to contend with that for all of his life? But let us move on from the little baby in the manger and take the whole of the gospel and let this knowledge grow and mature in our hearts and our minds that we may truly consider the beauty of the gift we have undeservedly received and find ways in which we may finally express in a meaningful way our gratitude for the love that's poured out on us through the Son. Let us fully celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus as the most important event in the history of the world as a sign of the love of God for his chosen people. May this love permeate each and every day of your life and may that life in turn be a witness to the greatness of God whose zeal indeed made all this possible. Let us give thanks to God our Father. Our loving and gracious Father, it is beyond comprehension what you have done, but yet we accept it willingly and indeed humbly. Be with us. May this truth grow within us, change our lives as it changed the lives of so many before us. And may we go out into this world and be the light that you want us to be, that we will share this wonderful news of the birth of your Son and what he brought to the world.
We pray all these things, Lord, in his holy name. Amen.